Hello and welcome to the Stay at Homeschooling Mom podcast. My name is Ginny Suford. I am joined by my good buddy, Mary Ellen Barrett. We have a terrific show today. I think you're really going to find it interesting, a great guest. But before that, I would just like to uh, mention that we, Mary Ellen and I are incredibly pleased, also somewhat shocked at the great reception our podcast has received. If you do like this podcast, please like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. We also uh, urge you to take a look at seatonhome.org, which is the website of our primary sponsor, Seton Home Study School, the premier Catholic home study school. They've done a great job for us. They, they make this podcast possible. And I'm going to let Mary Ellen introduce our terrific guest. Yeah, I'm very excited about this. Today, we are being joined by Father Mark Mary Ames, who is a CFR, the Franciscan Friar of Renewal. Um, he was ordained in 2018 and lives at the CFR Friary in the Bronx. Father Mark Mary is a weekly host on Ascension Presents, the second largest Catholic YouTube channel in English. In his new book, Habits for Holiness, Small Steps for Making Big Spiritual Progress, Father Mark Mary takes 800 years of Franciscan spiritual wisdom and extracts small steps that can lead anyone, especially lay people, to great holiness. Welcome, Father. Thank you so much for joining us here. Thank you, Mary Ellen, and thank you, Jenny. It's great to be with you, uh, with you both. I loved the book. I just love the book. And when I read it, I thought, this is going to be so good for homeschooling parents, who are our primary listeners here, because it does boil everything down to something very practical, you know, for people who feel like they're too busy or they don't have time or or like spirituality and theology can be very overwhelming for people. And I think this book, which is a very easy read and is it's a short book, so you're not intimidated right off the bat, and it takes it down and boils it right down to it. Um, so what led you to write this book? Yeah, probably, you know, uh, a couple of different things. And the Lord was working uh as he does, you know, I've, I've had a bit of a relationship with Ascension Press now uh, doing Ascension Presents, doing these these weekly YouTube videos for them. I've been doing something with them for about five years. And and so with that, I actually proposed a, a totally different idea to them. And they they came back. Uh, they came back particularly just with with an invitation to like explore a book on simplicity. There's just a number of movements out there dealing with simplicity. And, and, and certainly it's part of the sort of the Franciscan sweet spot. Um, and just wrestling with that, I thought, you know, what, I, I could that could probably be a chapter, but not a whole book. And, and that kind of led me just to to take a look at, you know, as, as you kind of said in the introduction, uh, habits for holiness takes from the, the Franciscan tradition, but more specifically, just our, our CFR tradition of uh, and and the gift of the, the Franciscan vocation of following the Lord and really really trying to follow Him, but in the midst of like you know the world and, and not out on a hill. And so just taking taking like what our my brothers have done, taking what we've learned, taking how we do it, um, and sort of laying that out, out with some principles and then helping to sort of propose it, right, so, uh, for, for lay people. And so it, it came from that. It came from a lot of, of really, really good and beautiful holy souls, um, lay, lay folks who are out there who want to follow the Lord. And they just say like, I, I love Jesus. I want to follow him. Uh, I don't really know what it looks like. And so part of it as well was just just trying to respond to that. And then lastly, I think um, I think for particularly parents, there can be a temptation towards a little bit of like a discouragement or doubt. They look at the world and then they think like, is it is it going to be possible for for my kids to to grow up and to keep following the Lord? And so um, I think the Franciscan story, the CFR story, is one of hope, one of of kind of humble beginnings in a very difficult situation, 
but also one of like thriving and, and of holiness and that uh, this is possible for, for, for everybody. That's a great point because you are right. Many of our parents and having Mary Ellen and I both had lots and lots of kids and we were homeschooling, which take, it's like a full-time job. And, you know, our husbands are working extra hours because they have to support us to stay home, to feed all those kids. And you get so much noise from the world. And you're thinking to yourself, while I'm doing all this, is it possible that my kids can stay holy? Will my kids go to church someday? Will my kids have kids? Will that? It's, it's, it is a scary world to live in right now Yeah, for moms and dads. It's a scary world. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's, that's real. Um, and that's true. And, um, but also I think, but, but the, with that is the, like the, the temptation to discouragement. Right. And we always have to battle yeah. discouragement with authentic hope. And again, so like the, the idea with us and kind of the, the starting of the book is that, uh, as you may or may not know, our, our order started in 1987 in the South Bronx. And there's a movie about that area called Fort Apache, which is talking with about the uh, the precinct in that area because it was so kind of known for its violence and the gun, the guns and the gangs and the drugs and all that sort of stuff. But it's precisely in that context, right, that the Lord called uh, these eight men uh, to begin this kind of renewal. And um, and they were able to do it. And, you know, if you could do it in, in the South Bronx, Fort Apache in the, the late 80s, I believe you can do it anywhere. And it's just a matter of, um, you know, uh, of really following the Lord, of praying, of having a community, not doing it alone. Is the book talk about living liturgically? Like if we do, if we, it's, it's not, um, it's not fancy, but we have to be intentional. Yes. I just seeing how your order has grown through that living through hope and faith and completely relying on Christ. I mean, from those eight men, there are hundreds of you now, right. All over the world. And so, and, and every uh, Franciscan friar or sister I've ever met, just the joy. I mean, these are, you guys just have very little in terms of possession. It's like, it's a very simple life, which I hope we'll talk about, but everybody's so happy. You're all so happy all the time. And it's just, it, it's such a shining example to me of how um, that faith and just placing your trust and hope in Christ and then boom, everything just gets lighter and better. You know, in a difficult world, you you deal with the difficulties better because you know God is in charge of all of this. In your, yeah. I think too, though, what you just said about you know they live a very simple life. I do think, and maybe you can speak to this a little bit, Father. I think Americans are burdened by our possessions. We really and truly are. We have big houses to take care of and lots and lots of stuff all over the blessed place. And when you eliminate that stuff and realize, wow, I really don't need this. I don't need. There's so much we can do without. And and that does free, it, it certainly frees us to be closer to the Lord. I have no question about that. But it also kind of frees us in this world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And that's why you'll see uh, these these increasing, increasing like minimalist like movements. Or I think a famous woman, I think her name's Marie Kondo, something yes. like this. Like, yes. And, and this, right, so they're not coming at this from a, a spiritual perspective, but just this this human reality that we are we are limited and we have limited resources. And so our, our time and energy that's put towards acquiring and maintaining stuff is time and energy and that's not being given to other things. Mm-hmm. And that as that proportion kind of grows and as we're making more, more and more of our time is going towards these things which ultimately don't satisfy, they are experienced as a burden and they are experienced as uh, a distraction, a source of anxiety, et cetera. Um, and so certainly part of simplicity is just 
kind of being in touch with these these human realities that like we need to be good stewards of our resources. Uh, for the Christian as well, it's not just that it's a uh, it's a radical freedom, right, to to follow Jesus and for and ultimately as Franciscans, it's really to create a space for God to reveal His Father stuff and the real stuff of our lives. Um, but there is one hundred percent a a just a natural kind of human reality that goes with uh, the burden of things mm-hmm. and lots of them <laughs> lots yes. of them yeah. um right in your first chapter um i was in i was so happy to read this um you call prayer you speak of prayer as food um now, when Ginny and I have counseled homeschooling mothers, which we've both been doing for years and years, the first thing we usually ask people who are struggling is have you been praying? Is, you know, how's your prayer life going? And, you know, of course, it's very easy for a mom with, uh, you know, a lot of children to just kind of neglect that part of their lives because you just feel frantically busy all the time. And it's hard to sit down with your rosary or your prayer book or just even in a peaceful few minutes and just kind of reflect on on Jesus. So when you speak of prayer as food, how can you explain what that means and how how it's so necessary? I love the Mother Teresa little story in the beginning of the book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess a, a couple of sort of anecdotes, right? Uh, Father Benedict Rochelle is one of our founders, worked a lot with priests who were struggling. And as it would say, like that when he would do his like initial intake interview with them, he would just ask them, okay, when did you stop praying? It wasn't, you know, how's your prayer going? It was just, when did you stop? Because the presumption was like the, the reason they got to this place had to go hand in hand with cutting themselves off from like the source that this just just has happened. And you kind of shared how, how you've kind of experienced that or seen that with some of the other folks you walk with. Um, the Mother Teresa story is that, you know, Father Benedict was a, a Capuchin Franciscan before uh, leaving to start our order with the other guys. And as he was still a Capuchin, he was asked by the Cardinal Archbishop of New York to help Mother Teresa find her first convent. Uh, in the U.S. And so they were looking in the South Bronx. And so he spent a good amount of time uh, with her. And uh, as as the story goes, is that he was talking to her about what God was doing in his life and the idea of this new order. And one of the things she asked him is, okay, so uh, um, are you going to make holy hour every day? And Father Benedict, because again, this, this, this idea of a daily holy hour, it's kind of uh, evolved over the last, particularly like 30, 40, 50 years. Like it wasn't necessarily something everyone was doing uh, further back. And so she's asked like, when are you making, are you guys making a daily holy hour? He said, well, mother, I don't know. It's just, I think we might be too busy. And so she said, well, then you should make two holy hours. And that's, that's what we do, right? We have a kind of a, a meditation hour in the morning, a Eucharistic holy hour in, in the evening. And, and part of the, there's kind of two sides to the prayers, food or prayers, nourishment side, kind of the positive and the negative. And I'll use the negative first is that, and I think I used the image in the book is right. Like you can, you can kill a rose bush like in by two, two ways. You can either, you know, you can like do violence to it. You can cut it. Uh, um, you can sort of suffocate it. You can uproot it, whatever. Um, or by omission, by just not watering it, um, by just not feeding it, it like a plant, a life will also die. And that the, the interior life is a real life and that it certainly we can do damage and harm to the interior life, to grace in our soul through sins of commission, but also simply by not praying, by cutting ourselves off from the source. Um, ultimately, uh, our, our the interior life is going to dwindle and die. And, and this is one of the places where the catechism is actually quite firm in quoting St. Alphonsus Liguri. They, they quote him as saying, um, those who pray, 
are surely saved. Those who do not are surely damned. And, and basically what he's saying is if you if you feed the, the spiritual life, it'll it'll live. If you don't feed it, it'll die. And so in that way, like like nourishment, like food, like if you if you uh, are undernourished, you there will be consequences. Um, and, and the second dealing with kind of the busyness of life is and this is the I think the logic of Mother Teresa is um, often an excuse for not praying is I just don't have time. And so I, I use the idea of, well, um, what if the fact that you don't have time is the exact reason, like you're so busy, that's the reason you actually need the nourishment and the food, as if somebody was going to go run a marathon and they'd say, well, I can't, you know, I can't take breakfast or lunch. I have, I have 26 miles to run. Like, no well, water no, that's, for me. That's, right. Yeah, yeah. It's like, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. The more you're going to do, the more you actually need God in it. And so as, as parents, especially as parents, as many children, like it doesn't look like necessarily making a holy hour, two hours, two hours every day. Like that's not an option, but we can find ways to, to truly encounter the Lord. And we have to find ways to truly encounter the Lord um, throughout our day. Yeah. It's, it's making it a priority. I can't tell you how many people I've, I've spoken to who will make going to the gym at six o'clock in the morning, a priority. Like they'll rearrange their whole lives to be able to get to the gym in the morning or the evening or, or something like that. But then they don't prioritize, you know, sitting down with God and praying every day for 10, 15 minutes. So I really think it's a matter of just setting your priorities. This has to be part of my day. This has Dr. to be Mary very centered. Who was the founder of Seton Home Study School? She used to speak for years. She spoke on the road to homeschooling parents. And what she would advise, and I think it's a great piece of advice, is put, you know, when you have holy cards, you have a little statue of the Blessed Mother, or you have a crucifix on your wall. When you see those objects, say a short aspiration. Mm. You know, you see Christ on the cross when you go into your kid's room, just Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's a prayer. And uh, I my my secret mom of big family here. Nobody smokes anymore, including me, but cars still had ashtrays until very recently. And I used to fill my ashtrays with rosaries. I had a lot of cheap plastic rosaries that I'd gotten, goodness only knows where. And when I got in the car, I would say a rosary. The kids would say a rosary. The kids would lead a, a decade. You'd be surprised how much time moms spend in the car. Oh gosh. Yes. Mm. Yes. A third of well, my life, I think has been spent I know, in your the whole car. Life. You feel, feel like you're a mom on wheels. God, why didn't God just like install the wheels on our legs? <laughs> um, so I used to put ros rosaries in the car and I found that those little practical things, those little, because you're right, father, we can't necessarily make two holy hours a day. Uh, we just don't, that's why, that's why you're celibate and living in a, in a community. We're not, but there are other ways that we can pray. Definitely. Um, now, in, in the chapter on simplicity, which I think every mom should read because we're all trying to achieve that. It's it's like I've said before, it's kind of overwhelming to be a homeschooling mom and and you get kind of consumed with stuff and things like that. But um, you explain in the book that as Catholics, our views, our values have to be radically different. Um, and, and as moms, we, we know that we try to avoid like bad TVs and we don't let our kids see certain movies or listen to certain music or something, but living that really deeply, you know, as, as a, the head of a Catholic family, my husband and I, um, what would your advice be to Catholic moms and dads to live that really deeply, like to really live our Catholic values in this world now where we are, where they're, where we're kind of consumed on all sides by by temptations and by things that don't mm -hmm. reflect our values. Sure. And, and I'll begin with, um, right. I, I, I talk about it in particular. There's a, there's a chapter that has to do with kind of, uh, having like a Catholic 
worldview, living kind of East Catholic. And I and I I quote um Frank Sheed. And Frank Sheed, he he's a, a writer of the last century. Um and he has this idea that that actually often oftentimes we don't have uh, Catholic minds. We have worldly minds with Catholic patches. And and I think that's also true with like our cultures and and our values is often we don't have truly Catholic cultures that we live in, but we have kind of general worldly cultures with some Catholic patches. And so like what that might look like for, for, for somebody is, you know, Friday, Friday and Sunday for Catholics have very particular like emphases, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like Sunday is the day of the Lord. And it is to, and it's kind of, it's ultimately the, like the, the most important day. And so kind of really, really like forming our, our weeks and what we're doing so that like we have space for the Lord, we have space for family, um, we have space for rest on Sunday. And, and so this would be like the number one sort of value is like really getting Sunday right. I'd really kind of encourage folks. I was just, I've had a chance to, there's some focus missionaries up at Harvard. And so I've had a chance to connect with some of the students there. And I was just with, with one of them. And, you know, like he's a Harvard athlete. And so, you know, like with the school and the sports, he just got a thousand things going on. And he was talking about how he can try and live his faith. And I really said, like, one of the things is, hey, like, let's try and win Sunday. Like, can you like do do extra work on Friday, on Saturday, sort of um, schedule your week and what you're doing so that like Sunday is not just another work day. Mm. And, and it seemed and it seemed to resonate with him. And he saw the challenge of it. But to do that, that means maybe. Right. Because for worldly values, it's like Friday and Saturday night kind of have priority over <laughs> over Sunday. And so you need to have space on Saturday to watch the football games. You need to have space on Saturday to go out. You need to have space on Friday to go out, whatever it is. But those like, well, that means that you're not going to have time to maybe do your some of your work, which now is going to flow over to the sun to Sunday. And that's where kind of a like maybe you'll still make it to mass. But for the most part, it's a general work day. So that's kind of the that's kind of the idea. And then Friday, right? Friday is the day of, that we remember the Lord's passion. And so having something each Friday that notes that. Um, so, so, so these are some of the things, you know, really celebrating what the church wants to celebrate with like our feast days, creating the space to do that. I think those things are just so, so important and so formative for, for all of us. Um, but then of course, like with, with like, uh, with simplicity, it's, these are like, we just have to kind of be challenged by what, um, when we talk about like, we need something like who's saying that we need it. Like, do we really need it? Um, where, where are, right. This is uh, one of my favorite lines of Galatians 2.10. Galatians 2.10 is where, where Paul goes and he meets with Peter, James, and John in Jerusalem for the first time. And they have this meeting. And, and at the end of it, Paul, Paul writes like, they gave me the hand clasp of fellowship. They only asked that I was mindful of the poor. The one thing I was always sure to do. And right. And so as, as Christians, we have this worldview, which includes um, kind of this universal, like these, we have brothers and sisters in Christ who are in need. And so as we're creating our budgets, as we're using our, our money and our time, we have to also have kind of like a, a, a real uh, sort of um, sacrificial, generous, uh, like mindfulness of the poor. So, th- so these are some of, some of the, some of the components of it. Okay. I'm going to stop you right there because I think it's time, Ginny, to take a break, do you think, for our sponsors? I was going to say we are very, very grateful to our primary sponsor, Seton Home Study School. But we do have some other excellent sponsors who are supporting us in our work. So uh, we urge you to listen to this little message and perhaps support them.
The goal is to promote a deep love of truth through a silent reading of texts uh, as individuals and then the coming together as a community to talk about those things. Ultimately promote a friendship with the truth through the friendships we foster between students and, and their peers and between students and faculty and between faculty. The best friendships are those who share a common good. And I think the highest common good that we can share is, is the, the love of truth. The fruit of that is the formation of students whose commitment to truth is already in them and their capacity for truth is already there, but we try to draw that out every day. Hi, I'm Dr. Christine Basil. I'm an Honors College professor here at Belmont Abbey College. The Honors College at Belmont Abbey. To learn more, visit www.bac.edu slash honors. Well, hello and welcome back. I hope you enjoyed our sponsor break there. Uh, and I hope you will support our sponsors. Uh, we're back here uh, with uh, Father Mark Mary Ames from the uh, Franciscan Friars of the Renewal. And uh, we're going to ask you, Father, this is a really interesting question for me because I'm horrible at it. So let me tell you right now, the examen, the examination. Can you mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about the three by five? Yeah, it's one of my, I love it. I love this, just the, the concept. and. I've actually stolen it from a Jesuit priest who stole it from another Jesuit priest, something like that. But but the idea is this, and it, as you said, it's called a three by five exam. And it's a little a midday exam. And, and and what you do is this, is it's around lunchtime, whatever it is, you take, and it can be like five minutes. It can, you can do it fairly quickly. And we're going to look at uh, three different areas. So the first part, you're okay, looking back in the first part of my days, like what are what are where are five places I've seen the Lord just kind of provide? So five places to give thanks. And so uh, you know, that can be just for a variety of things. We give we give thanks to the Lord for five things. Then we look back, so, okay, like where are five five areas where I felt God's invitation or where we're just like, I just need to ask for mercy. And so you kind of look back. All right, here are these five things. I'm sorry, Lord, help me begin again. Great. And then we look, and this is kind of my favorite part, is you look at the next half of your day. Okay, what are five things that are going to happen that I'm going to want, like, I'm going to pray into now. I'm going to ask God's grace to provide for now. And that could be like, hey, I know I'm really tired of that. When I pick up my whatever teenage son or daughter, she's going to test my patience. Okay, like, I'm going to pray into that. Or I'm going to have to have a difficult conversation or whatever it is. Um, and And we just, again, we kind of, just really intentionally look, look towards the second half of the day and ask the Lord's grace there. And I love like the, this is, this is part of actually the whole concept of the book of taking some of the principles of religious life and then helping to give very concrete, I, I hope, applicable applications for the lay people. Cause right. The liturgy of the hours, the whole point of this is the sanctifying of the day. And so we pray in the morning, we pray in the middle of the day and we pray in the evening. And all of this is part of just the reality. It's like we need to keep sort of going back to the Lord and, and being reminded of like our priorities, being reminded of our like our intentions, being reminded of uh, the Lord because we can get so distracted. And so I really think just this little five minute prayer uh, in the middle of the day, it's super quick, but it just it reorients and refocuses us um, and helps us go towards the second half of the day uh, with with the Lord. Ever since I read that, I've been doing it and it is I, I have. I always hesitate to say it, but that kind of thing to me is very life-changing. Like yeah. it so focuses you. It's such a simple thing. And we're going to put it in the show notes. I'm gonna, we're going to write that down so you can um, take a look at just how what it is. But um, it just, to 
turn it turn toward gratitude first thing and then where I've gone wrong and then what I'm going to need help with it's really life changing um and it's such a simple thing and that's what I loved about this book is that it took all of these kind of huge concepts and just boil them down to so simply anybody can do this you know the, the busiest person in the world can stop at lunchtime right before you eat or right at or while you're doing the dishes or while you're you know walk taking your walk at lunchtime or whatever whatever state of life you were at you can do those five little 15 things those five each things um and i love that like like you said you love it i love it too it's just a, it's life changing it was it was a great little thing to include there i'm glad you stole it from that Je- jesuit <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. He doesn't mind. He doesn't mind. I'm sure he didn't mind. I'm sure he's happy. Spread the word. Everybody steal it from us now. <laughs> well, that yeah. that was great, by the way. And as I say, I'm I'm not good at, at, at examinations. I'm not. I have little books to help me. I'm, I'm terrible at it, but I'm going to try that. I am really going to try that because again, it sounds so practical. And I'm not at the same, my kids are grown now. I do feel like I'm still busy. So, and I'm distracted. Yeah. And that sounds like a really great idea. Um, in the chapter on liturgical living, you said that as Catholics, our values are radically different. Well, we do know this actually, but um, you know, how do we do this? You know, the obvious stuff is avoid, you know, bad TV shows or bad movies. Um, we we kind of know that. I would say that most of our listeners are already there. They're not letting their kids watch you know, or read bad books or whatever. But how do we really live it deeply, this idea mm-hmm. of living our Catholic values? Sure. And it's and, there, and there's steps to it. I've I've been really convicted of the need for renewal in um in how we celebrate and, and what we celebrate. And and so I I talk about um celebrating, like celebrating uh, the things of the Lord. Cel- like celebrating is doing the work of receiving the gift, doing the work of re- receiving the gift. And this kind of came to mind because like uh, in our in our friaries, things like that, when it comes to celebrating the special feast days, um, you know, it takes a little bit of extra work to get the songs. It takes a little bit of extra. It's going to take a little bit longer if we do incense. It's going to take a little bit longer to like decorate and this and that. But you like we have to do these things, right? Because we we are we're humans and and we're uh, and and these these gestures like open us up to receiving and to being imprinted by these mysteries and these graces and these gifts. And so. I, I do think that particularly again, starting with Sunday of like, of doing the work of like really celebrating these things well. And, and um, holy days, I think are a great place as well to, to create. It's like, it's, it is, it takes some sacrifice to create space, to slow down, to clear schedules. But I really think like that is, um, that's really maybe one of the primary battles. And I look back and I, I kind of use this example quite a bit of, Comparing my life experience, like my mem- my memories towards Halloween and my memories towards All Saints Day from growing up, because right it's back to back, it's back to back, and perhaps on like, if you will, on the secular scale of of celebration and the, the church one, they're, they're somewhat equivalent. But I have all sorts of memories from Halloween, and most people do because we did something, we got dressed up, we had like whatever candy, we we had our little sort of like procession. Right. And so it leaves all of these memories and it, and, and it is imprinted on my mind. And I have like positive sort of feelings about Halloween from, from my youth. But for like All Saints Day, uh, I never did anything. And most families have never done anything. And so I didn't even know All Saints Day was a thing until I was probably 22 years old or something like that. And this is just part of, uh, I think, an anecdote of like if we are going to, 
to really have our minds and our values formed by the things of the Lord. We have to celebrate the things of the Lord, but to celebrate the things of the Lord is going to require some sacrifice, it's going to require some work, but we have to do the work of, of receiving the gift. And I think that's how we keep our Catholic culture alive too, is, um, is when mothers are teaching their children these little ways to to observe feast days and and liturgical celebrations and the the liturgical year. I actually have a whole website dedicated to the observance of Advent because it just gets lost in Christmas. You know, Christmas starts the day after Halloween in the retail wise. And so you kind of lose how beautiful the season of Advent is. So I have a, a website dedicated to that. But I know that so many mothers try very hard to observe the baptism day of their children, you know, their name mm -hmm. day, their baptism day, um, and patron saints and, and feast days and things like that. I loved in the book that you mentioned that um, uh, the friars know that it's a feast day when you come downstairs and there's donuts you know, next to your coffee. So, oh, it's a feast day. <laughs> like it's something special. And it creates that um, desire to know why it's special and why God makes these things special. And you're right, it, it is a little bit of a sacrifice, particularly if you have young children, to kind of get something like that rolling. You know, it is. You have to plan ahead a little bit. You have to work a little harder. Maybe you have to spend a little money. But it is entirely worth it in the long run to do that kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And some yeah. of our old uh, traditions that did get lost, I think that when we lost our Catholic schools and the teaching sisters, a lot of that got lost. And homeschooling moms are trying to bring it back. Mm -hmm. Uh, we lived in Chicago for years, and St. John Cantus is a big church there. And All Souls Day, they put on the most beautiful, beautiful Mozart's Requiem that we we would take our kids to. It was just so beautiful. I, I, I forget. I think you could make a donation or something. But it was just such a beautiful thing. And if you think All Saints Day gets lost, All Souls Day really gets lost. Like nobody even thinks about it anymore except the people. I guess Mexican people still take it. But that would so that was a, a good one. The other one, uh, Holy Thursday, we used to go to mass, but then we would go and visit the Blessed Sacrament in churches because you can get an indulgence if you go to a certain number of churches and stuff. And it was great. That was another one we did. But we've we've people don't even know about these anymore. When I tell people I took my children to churches, you know, on Holy Thursday in the evening and it was easier in Chicago because the churches are, you know, half a mile apart or something. But uh, people have never heard of that. They've never heard of it. It's it's all gone. Um, you also uh, talk about the Christian call to contentment. I love that part of the book. It's actually, a, there's a checklist at the end of the book. This is why you should all buy the book. But yeah, can you tell us a little bit about the Christian call to contentment? Because I don't think people think of contentment when they think of religion or faith. Sure. Yeah. And, and that word uh, comes from our, our legislation. We, we do what's called a poverty check. And so this is part of like trying to translate it is right. We, we have vows of evangelical poverty. And so for us, uh, it, it, um, it is like a, a kind of a radical simplicity and independence on God and his providence. But we have this idea that the friars are to be content with the minimum necessary, not the maximum allowed to be content with the minimum necessary, not the maximum allowed. And so, so the contentment word comes from this. And, and basically I kind of talk about contentment as the, we have to develop this this ability to just say, okay, like that's enough. Okay, I'm good, right? Because how we work is we always keep wanting more, and and what we think we want or what we need, like it keeps kind of recalibrating. And so, uh, in some sense, externally, we're never going to have enough until internally, we're able to say, okay, 
okay, no, I'm good. No, I'm, I'm, I've had enough. Like, okay, I've had, I've had enough, uh, enough remodels. I've had enough, uh, you know, I've got enough like dresses. I've had, I have enough um, sports cars. I have enough new cars or, or clothes or whatever it is. At some point we have to be, okay, I'm good. I'm good. And so, so that's kind of the idea of contentment. And I just think it's real. And I just, I just think it's 100% real. Um, and I've just seen it so many times of like, okay, we're just going to raise the bar. Okay, well, I need more. I need more. I need more. And one of the, the downsides is like, uh, we're never just content. And, and so the, the, the contentment check is our application of a poverty check. And we do it uh, multiple times a year where we just, okay, like, let's look back. Let's see how we're doing with things. Um, how has our relationship to stuff changed? That kind of, like, just like an intentional approach to it. And I think that's very, very reasonable for lay people to do as, um, cause again, it's just the, the bar is going to keep changing. Like, how are we doing? What, are, how are we having continued contact with the poor? What is our relationship with stuff? Is, are we experiencing certain stuff as a burden? Do we have peace with it? Uh, particularly I think with screens and media, okay, how's my consumption of this stuff? And just a little bit of a review, like an intentional review of life with this. I think, um, I think it's just going to be very helpful. Oh, sure. I think, I, I think it's beyond helpful. I think it's a great idea because, again, I do think that in the United States, especially, specifically, our, our everything, <laughs> it, it's, our, our just, it's not just our things, our physical things, our houses, and you, do, you don't need a house with five bedrooms. You don't need a house with five bathrooms that you have to clean. But But the other things, like, do you need that gym membership? Do you need the book club? Do you need this? We have so many things in our lives that you're right. Maybe we should say, well, I could be content with less. That would be the first thing. But then I think you would find if you were content with less, you'd also be free. Yeah. And that gives you freedom to pursue other things that are far more important because the day will come when you'll be in the same box as the poor person. We're not doing, you know, no, no pockets and shrouds. Can't take it with you. Right. Yeah. It's actually at the, the, back of the book, there is this checklist for contentment for the lady. And one of the, one of the things on here is, do I actively look for ways to live more simply so that I can better provide for those in need? So if I didn't like do that Amazon order of stuff that just looked pretty, but I don't really need gym with the pool, right? Could I be, could I be ministering more to, to the poor? Could I be helping those who need me more or who don't have anything? You know, so um, it's something to really think about. This list of contentment um, was really, really kind of one of those checks where I went, oh, goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Heavens, do I need this? Because one of them is, um, have I been distracted by Internet window shopping? Well, yes, Father, I may have done that once or twice. (laughs) Once or twice, maybe. Today. (laughs) No, it's just it's one of those things where we get sucked into that kind of thing. Um, So it's it's so, so valuable. Um, Before we sign off here, Father, um, are you writing any new books? Are you going on any trips? What's going on with you? What's coming up next? Yeah, uh, a lot of things going on. That's part of the gift of of uh, my life. Uh, I do actually have a second book coming out. It won't be out till next year, so it's still it's still in the works. And it's um, I forgot they're they're kind of working on the title. I, I think I saw some draft on it, but it's it's reflecting on God the Father and what it means to call God Father. And oh. so I, I um, take like there's there it's one of these like kind of do it yourself retreats. So it's it's like a, a kind of a a thirty day retreat with with God the Father and taking um, thirty stories of real real fathers or, or spiritual fathers, biological fathers, and um, kind of sharing the story to give access to one of the characteristics of God as father. And then the second part of the chapters is helping to explain 
explain it. And so that's been a really gift for me as I've been able to hear people's stories and also been able to reflect on the fatherhood of God, um, which is one of the beautiful things about giving talks and writing books and things like that is there's always the invitation for me to enter into whatever it is first and hopefully be, you know, transformed by it uh, before I try and teach it. So anyway, that's, that's exciting. And uh, I, I'm moving friaries to, I got a new assignment. So I'll be moving to the St. Leopold's friary in Yonkers. So um, I'm, I'm taking over uh, as the director of priestly studies. So working with our seminarians. So that'll be kind of a big adjustment, but, but life, yeah, life, life is blessed. That's my hometown, by the way. Yonkers is my hometown. Yep. And I started school at St. John the Baptist, which is right near Dunwoody Seminary. Exactly. A beautiful church. By the way, Franciscan sisters, I might, I might add. Um, Well, listen, uh, Father, we can't thank you enough for all our listeners. The name of Father's book is Habits for Holiness, Small Steps for Making Big Spiritual Progress. And as you heard, uh, it would be it would be big spiritual progress if, if you can read it and, and and follow the dictates. Father, we can't thank you enough. Yeah, this, this was, is wonderful. Thank you so it, much. I know how busy you are, and for you to spend this time with us, I'm really really grateful. We we both are really grateful. Please let us know when the next book comes out. If if uh, we'll certainly talk about it on the podcast, and maybe we'll have you back to talk about it in more detail. All right, that'd be lovely. Thank you so much to both of y'all for for the invitation. Of course. Thank you, Father. God bless. God bless. And we'd like to thank all of our sponsors here on the podcast. And as Ginny said before, if, you, um, if you're if you enjoying the podcast, if you're getting anything out of it, if you would like and subscribe and maybe share it with a friend, um, tell them about it because that way we get put in front of more people and more people can um, benefit from the advice. If you have any questions you'd like us to address, please go to our Facebook page, the Stay at Homeschooling Mom podcast, and just leave it in the comments. We check it every day. Thanks very much for being a listener um, and God bless you all. And now we'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Seton Home Study School. Seton Home Study School is a nationally accredited, faithfully Catholic, private distant learning school that serves students from pre-K through 12th grade. There are currently 17,000 homeschool students enrolled in Seton Home Study School and many, many more who use their books and materials, including several small Catholic schools. Since 1983, Seton Home Study School has faithfully served the homeschool community in the United States and all over the world. Please check out their website, setonhome.org, for more information. And thank you, Seton Home Study School, for sponsoring the podcast, The Stay-at-Home Schooling Moms.